0: All right, whatever it means to you, podcast or WMT for most of you. This is episode number 38. We were able to welcome uh, my friend Jeff McDonald in here. Well, new friend Jeff McDonald. This is the first time that we've had uh, a guest that I've not actually met face to face in here. But through some mutual friends, we heard he was doing some pretty cool stuff. So uh, Jeff McDonald runs Impact Emerald Coast. Uh, Also has a pretty fascinating story that I was completely unaware of. Uh, That we'll get into on this podcast. Uh, This Saturday, August 4th, uh, in the year of our Lord, 2018, (laughs) uh, from 1 o'clock p.m. to 5 o'clock p.m., Jeff and Impact Emerald Coast will be throwing this big alumni charity basketball game. There's going to be guys from Fort Walton playing guys from Choctaw and guys from Crestview playing guys from Niceville. I, I say guys, guys and gals, men and women. And we'll be, we'll be playing each other for this charity basketball tournament. Uh, you can buy tickets at impactemeraldcoast.com. $20 gets you five tickets, uh, or it's $5 a piece. They're also raffle tickets, so you can get prizes from them and, and all that kind of stuff. And all the money goes to support uh, commun- uh, families within our community. Uh, so all that money stays here as well. Uh, it goes to people who really need it. So, I mean, without anything else, Shane, you got anything? Yeah, man. Jeff's just a good good dude. Uh, I've you know, like, like you just said, we, you know, we, we had not met him prior, and uh, his story just kind of blew me away, and I think it's going to blow all you guys away. Um, and what he's doing for these families in this community and raising that kind of cash uh, uh, it, it, for these guys is amazing. Yeah. This guy's just doing good work. Yeah, I definitely felt inspired. Yeah, I think that, that's, a, that's you know, a perfect word for it. Because, um, you know, when someone's coming in here that we don't know, you don't know what to expect. Because yeah. whether we like it or not, we're going to be in here For an hour with them, (laughs) so so if they suck and their story sucks, (laughs) then I'm just over here like, so uh, how long you lived in (laughs) Dustin?
1: But that uh, that wasn't the case with Jeff at all. (laughs) I'm
0: I'm I'm so stoked uh, that that he came in that he got in touch with us. Yeah, yeah. So once again, please support what he's doing. Come out and also, by the way, if you haven't been to the northwest Northwest Florida State College basketball. Uh, stadium. I guess it's Which a stadium arena. I haven't. It's beautiful. I'm... It's beautiful. Are you gonna go this Saturday? I'm gonna try. Cool. Yeah, I'm going. Cool. I already bought tickets, so if you if you need to go you can you can bogart my tickets, bro. No, I got no, no, I got no, plenty. I gotta get my raffles in. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I hope you all enjoy listening. Hit us up wimt.podcast at gmail.com and I hope you dig the sounds of us and Mr. Jeff McDonald having a conversation. All right, but Wim T Podcast, we're back at it. My guest tonight is Mr. Jeff McDonald with Impact Emerald Coast. What's up, Jeff? Uh, just living the dream, baby. Right on. Man, we were just talking right before we started this, how uh, this is episode number 30, 38, I believe. 38. And th- out of all 38, this is the only guest that I've never met face to face, man. So <laughs> welcome to my office slash. Take down the panels and hey man, uh, put them in the windows and create a little studio.
1: I love it. It's got a great, great little so, vibe here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the only thing that scared me was the Destin parking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, do I park here? Will I get towed? Yeah. Do it's, I owe ten dollars?
0: At least, yeah, it's free.
1: It's free parking. <laughs> Thanks, Sextons.
0: Yeah, I caught a I caught a ticket in uh, Pensacola last week, a parking ticket, just because I pulled right in. There were no signs anywhere. And I was like, score. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I, my wife and I came out of the restaurant and I was like, what the, it's a parking ticket. And I was like, how much is it? 10 bucks. I was like, whatever. 10, cool. 10 bucks, nothing. So then when you're paying the parking ticket online, it's like plus a a $3.50 fee (laughs) to pay online. I was like, that's almost 50% of the ticket.
1: (laughs) (laughs) These parking folks are sneaky, bro. I just, I went to Nashville a few weeks back. Right. Mm. And, uh, kind of did the, the three-day weekend thing with my wife and some friends. And uh, it was Sunday morning. We're getting ready to leave. We're hitting the Pancake Pantry. You know, it's one of those, you know, places you got to go eat when yeah. you're there in, in Nashville. And uh, the parking lot right across the street, there were some spots. But, of course, there's that little kiosk in the parking lot, yeah, like, yeah. everywhere in Nashville. And uh, they they trick you, man. It says, first hour free. So, you know what? I mean, I'm like... I'm not going to be here an hour. Mm. Granted, that the, the line was a mile long, but I don't think we're not going to be here an hour. Park, I'm there for an hour and five minutes. Yeah. I go outside, just forgot about it. $40 ticket, you know, and then you got to pay Oh, so- They ticketed you? Oh, they did. They did. They did. Well, here's the thing. I shouldn't say ticket. What they do is they give you kind of like a little here you should have paid you know, if you don't pay this fee now, what would have cost you six bucks is now like mm-hmm. forty bucks. Mm-hmm. And uh if you don't pay it, and we're gonna submit it to a credit uh collection agency and blah, blah, blah. So hey, <laughs> be careful in Nash Vegas. It's dangerous. Yeah. So yeah. The parking situation, is scary these days, man.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna be spending a lot of time in Nashville really soon, man. So I'm kinda kinda yeah. all over the place, man. It's 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 a little be frightening, careful. but uh
1: don't oh, know we'll see, man. Places, good times over there, man. Yeah, good
0: times. Yeah, well, it's within Nashville. There's like, it's like five different cities really in one because you have East Nashville, which everyone there is way too cool for me. (laughs) And then (laughs) was that like the hipster area? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I, I went to a I went to a coffee shop over there and. I, I felt like everyone was in Halloween costumes. Like, it felt, like it, was right. a, I, it felt wow. like it was an SNL skit. Okay. Like, I could totally make that coffee for you, you wow. know? Like, I think, like, everyone had their wizard shoes on. But was the coffee and, good? Oh, totally, bro. It was a pour-over. Totally. Okay.
1: <laughs> What's the obsession with pour-overs It's now? the new
0: craze in coffee, man. I swear.
1: Like, I go into a coffee shop here in Fort Walton Beach, that, that place called the Main Brew, mm-hmm. and I'm like, hey, I... That snowflake crunch—that sounds like some pretty (laughs) dope-ass coffee. Let me get a cup of that. And I'm thinking they got it brewed. Surely it's on your—nah, brothers, pour over. Yeah. Like what? What is a pour over, sir? Anyway, sorry. They grind it all in front of you about 20 minutes. Yeah. About 20 (laughs) minutes. You're right. Sat down and waited for that. cup of coffee yeah. for about twenty twenty. It's a good. Minutes, it's right? a good cup of coffee. It was worth. I'm sure. Yeah, it was worth. It it it's, was tasty.
0: I think it's one of those things to where like people just people like things. I think that's why like the craft movement has taken off so much. Like craft cocktails and and yeah, even yeah. microbrews. Because people, the more individualized it is, the more people feel like it's specifically for you. Like it's specifically sure. made for you. And I think that kind of ties into just a, just how tribal everything is now. Anyway, but like you know, no, I, wanna, I agree. Yeah, I want to hang out with people who drink. This beer and drink these cocktails and like this. Co- this cup of coffee was made specifically for me. There's no other
1: ones like it. I'm, not, I'm like I'm not in here cool enough. Just to, thanks for the warning. I won't be hanging out in that neck of the woods.
0: Yeah, but but yeah. So you have East Nashville, and then you have uh, basically Music Row, and mm-hmm. and what's the what's the Broadway? Yeah, uh, that that's basically it's, just all country bars. It's, and, like,
1: it's like the French Quarter to me. Yeah. now it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And every country star has owns a bar there now. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: Jason Aldean just opened one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm old school man. I'm going around the corner. I'm looking for uh, you know some of that old school country where there's nobody there hanging out. Yeah, like
0: Waylon Jennings. Yeah, yeah they're, the, yeah, they're <laughs> sipping on
1: straight whiskey and yeah. But anyways, that, I'm, I'm there too.
0: Like I I will listen to Willie Waylon, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you know? I learned this the other day and I didn't believe it. And then I did some research on it. That at one time, Waylon Jennings had a $1,500 a day cocaine habit. He would, he like, over an ounce a day.
1: Good Lord. It, you know, how did he? That's insane. After listening to your podcast with Sean Murphy, <laughs> hearing about his experience with cocaine, I, I don't know how. Like, you know, it, yeah. What did, uh, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I
0: mean, I know, I know. You know, I've been around the culture, and and normally like a, uh, how many how many grams are are in an ounce? Twenty eight. Yeah, twenty eight mm. grams in an ounce, and like like if you get a gram to yourself in a night, you're
1: that's a I, no one a wants
0: hour, to be around you. 1.2
1: grams an hour. That's that, that <laughs> might that might be a little excessive. Like,
0: what, he's putting <laughs> tablespoons in his coffee. That
1: might be a little excessive. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah.
0: But, Anyway, just a little side note. Yeah, (laughs) I
1: mean, I got turned on to Nashville, and I'm not afraid to admit this. My wife makes fun of me because she says I watch soap operas now. But that show Nashville. Yeah. Man, I just had to go. Yeah. And the one place I wanted to go was uh, the Bluebird. Okay. You can't get tickets to that place, man. Mm -hmm. You know, they start selling them at like this time on this particular morning for this particular show. Yeah. You know, we're sitting there five minutes before on ready to hit the button when they say go, and we still don't get tickets. Is thing. it
0: is it the same show every every night, or is it a rotating, is it someone different. different every night? It's
1: different. They have two two shows on a Friday night, two shows on a Saturday night, I think. So I'm assuming that the artists. Bluebird
0: is featured in the show. Oh, yeah. That, so that's why it's You're telling so... me you
1: haven't watched Nashville? i not. Well, you're going to have to start watching it. It's yeah. Netflix, that Joker. I might have to Hulu it, sorry. Um, that's where I got turned on to it. I, but it's good stuff, man.
0: I tried to watch it Get one familiar time. familiar with the culture. I, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't watch it because the have you, have you seen Friday Night Lights? the The TV show Friday Night Lights.
1: Yeah. The 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 coach's mom, the wife. Coach's mom, yeah. Yeah, the she was the o- mom, she was the 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 o- <laughs> <laughs>
0: she was the only character in Raina Friday James. Night Lights that I didn't like. Well, you'll refer to I her as Raina her.
1: James on Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
0: when I so when I started watching Nashville and she was in it, I was like, done. I can't do it, bro. So you gotta I give it a chance. I will. I'll give it another try. Now that I probably have some sort of interest there, <laughs> I'll, I'll get back in the Nashville. Where it's that. All right, so. it's
1: gonna teach you everything you need to know about Nashville. Yeah. All right. I feel like I live there. Yeah. Really. So don't disrespect me after that. I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, man, never. All right.
0: So, um, man, so our good friend uh, Aisham put us back in contact we had yeah. spoken a couple times before about some other stuff but uh, i should put us back in contact and told me that you were doing some really cool stuff with impact emerald coast and yes. i know you also have some events coming up so yeah. um if you if you wouldn't mind man just for our listeners give us a little bit of a little, a little bit of background about yourself kind of absolutely. what you're doing with impact emerald coast some of the events you're doing and, and how those events pay off for the
1: community as absolutely. well absolutely man um you know to really tell you about impact emerald coast i do really have to tell you a brief little bit of my story and what kind of brought me to start an organization like impact emerald coast but um you know i'm originally from birmingham alabama i moved here when i was in middle school and i moved here out of necessity uh my parents divorced when i was three we were living in the kind of the i don't want to offend anybody but the armpit of louisiana slidell okay <laughs> anyway sorry I hope nobody's from there but um Three years old, my parents get a divorce. My mother (coughs) moves us back to Birmingham, Alabama. Um, Well, that begins a pretty interesting stretch of, you know, about nine, uh, ten years for me as a child. uh, Didn't see my father very much during that time. Um, Come to find out my father, who, you know, I'll tell you later, became my best friend and Mm -hmm. um, my right-hand man. I was his right-hand man. Uh, My father got involved with a, a business of uh, brokering cocaine. Okay. (laughs) You know, he was the guy that kind of made the deals happen from Orlando. He worked for the, the mafia out of Orlando. Crazy. You know, I didn't learn a lot of this until here in the last few years before my father passed away. But, uh, you're talking about running cocaine from, you know, uh, South Florida to Houston, Texas. And, um, dad never touched the, the goods, but he just brokered the deals. And um, but that was kind of the business he was in for a lot of those years. And I was living with my mother and my mother developed out of, you know, the divorce and um, some other things kind of fell into a depression that led to an addiction to narcotics, um, prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was an an addiction that she would never kick. You know, over those years of my life as a child, um, you know, my mother would be in and out of drug rehab. Um, I would be living in children's homes or maybe in the, the home of a family friend, um, sometimes maybe in and out with my grandparents in Birmingham. And, um, you know, some pretty interesting times, man, as a kid and uh, walking to and from school, coming home one day and you live in low rental income housing, right? Section 8. And you're thinking, man, you can't possibly get evicted from Section 8 low rental income housing, right? Wrong. So we did, you know, I would come home from school. I remember vividly in third grade, uh, Jared, coming home from from school and walking up to my apartment and seeing my bedroom furniture in the parking lot, thinking, what in the world's going on here? You know, I know I didn't want to move my room in the the parking lot, right? But we had been evicted and that would happen time and time again, man. So um, fast forward to the summer after my sixth grade year, Uh, my mother had finished her last stint in uh, drug rehab, and I had lived in a children's home for half of my sixth grade year, and um, came down to visit, or yeah, came down here to visit my dad, and uh, he was living here in Fort Walton Beach, he had since given up the cocaine brokering business, settled down, started to kind of get his life right, and he was a used car dealer here, and over in Fort Walton Beach, Uh, he was the used car manager at Sam Taylor Buick Cadillac best salesman you've ever met in your entire life well he obviously had some experience in that in the sales department my you man know? Was, yeah he had it going on okay <laughs> or broker dealer whatever you want to call him he he had it going on and uh you know so did you,
0: not to just real quick dive from in. that did he um did he set himself up before he got out of the business
1: well listen no <laughs> <laughs> yeah well here's the thing man like my father and I you know my father passed away from lung disease uh, going a smoker? on September 1st for a lot of his life. He okay. was September 1st. will be at two years since my father passed, but he was a smoker and, and dad smoked some other things yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, my dad was one of those dudes, man. Like I, I could sit here and we could talk all night just about my dad mm. dad's stories, but my dad was very much what I would consider a functioning addict when I was growing up, when I moved here to live with him. Um, he kind of had this little routine of, uh, Come home from the car lot, have a few cocktails, uh, go out, you know, hit a little ladies' night or something. Yeah. Because he was a stud, all yeah. right. <laughs> and then he would he would go out, have a good time, come back, you know, smoke a little weed, wind down, go to bed. And this man was up at seven, you know, six thirty, seven a.m. the next morning. You know, take care. of – You know, hit a. a I catch him hitting a line. Yeah. And off to work. Work hard, play hard, man, brother. Never right. missed a beat, man. Yeah. I mean, so my father was, uh, you know, so I, I know you catch him, proud of you it, catch but him but doing that
0: man. as a teenager. Then when you, yeah, because you, you okay. So you, dad, you moved down here uh, by thirteen.
1: I had. That's when I moved yeah. here. So you know, I was here visiting yeah. that summer after mm-hmm. my sixth grade year. Okay. And um, but you asked, okay, did Dad save anything from mm-hmm. that business? He didn't. Dad actually got arrested and spent a couple years in in prison and came out. And that's really what changed him. Yeah. And, um, my mom kind of helped make that happen. Ooh. And it, you know, crazy times, man. Mm-hmm. But anyways, my dad came out of that and it changed his life. And he moved here to Fort Walton beach, wanted to kind of start anew. And, uh, he did that. And, uh, you know, I moved here the summer after sixth grade, I was here visiting and, uh, my mother time and time again, when I was a kid would try to overdose and take her own life. And, Many times unsuccessful. And uh, I was here that summer, and my grandparents called my dad, and they just said, hey, Jerry, you know, Jeff's going to have to stay with you. Uh, his mother did it again. You know, she's in the hospital. And uh, my father made the decision at that point that he was going to bring me in. And, uh, man, it was probably, you know, it was sad, broke my heart, because I kind of, you know, I also had a younger brother. I was, that I'm six years old, no, eight years older than. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was from a different father uh but so i was kind of leaving him uh, did you did you feel any
0: responsibility because uh, i'm assuming by the time you're 13 you're the you you've grown into that man of the house kind of thing
1: oh yeah i mean and from did, the time he was born
0: yeah did you so did you have did, did leaving your mom did you did you have any sort of did, like did you feel like i'm not sure what i'm trying to ask here did did you feel responsibility to your mom
1: Oh, absolutely. When you left, like, was
0: that a hard thing to do?
1: Oh, it broke my heart, man. Yeah. It did because I was scared to death of what might happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my grandparents took uh, my little brother's father was out of the picture. And, uh, but my grandparents took him in and okay. raised him from that point forward. And, uh, you know, so I was, I was, I felt good about his situation and, mm-hmm. uh, but I still, it was tough because I, I love that kid. Like he was my own mm-hmm. and I was eight when he was born and I uh, felt like more of his dad than a big brother, and we still have that kind of neat relationship today. Mm-hmm. It's uh, he lives over in St. Augustine. He does uh, some pretty cool stuff that we can't really talk about. He's uh, was in the, the army and okay. um, has a neat job. We'll just cool. say that over in St. Augustine, Jacksonville area. Mm-hmm. But um, so no, that's what got me here. And yeah, it was tough, man. I literally I worried about my mom all the time, and uh, it was scary. But it was the best thing for me. And, uh, you know, although my father had his quirks, the things he was battling, it was the best place for me. Because at least I knew when I got out of school, I was going to go home and I was still going to have a roof over my head. Mm -hmm. You know, I was going to have clothes on my back. I was going to have food on the table. I never had to worry about that kind of stuff, you know. So um, it was a different experience for me. I grew up wearing the same pair of jeans like four days a week. You know, people making fun of me because the jeans had holes in them, and you know it's 30 degrees outside. I was rocking a pair of jams mm-hmm. and a t-shirt because I didn't have anything else to wear. A pair of jams? Oh, bro, you know what I'm talking I don't about. I know
0: what you're talking about, man. All right, it was tell me. Like the...
1: Glorified shorts. Okay, okay. but uh <laughs> they were fresh though. But <laughs> like, mine weren't. Like, only had like jinko shorts. Yeah, close okay. enough. Close okay. enough. But um, I don't really know what the <clears throat> hell you're talking about. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, those.
0: like like wide leg long shorts yeah they're, they're like they they go down to the middle of your shin kind they of dude okay. they did All yes right. <laughs>
1: but no man that, so that was kind of my story man and then i got here to live with my dad and you know uh it, it did change things for me i became a little bit more confident mm-hmm. you know i had you know my dad would take me to actually buy me school clothes now that i was living with him um so the, the self-confidence grew, and, but I still had my own personal demons and struggles. Um, you know, Ultimately, fast forward to, to high school, I was 18, uh, my senior year, I come home and uh, my father is sitting, I come home from basketball practice. I played, went to school and played ball at Choctaw.
0: Choctaw, all right.
1: And uh, I come home from basketball practice and my dad, and again, he's a used car dealer. Dude never got home before 7 o'clock. And uh, it's like 5.30 and my dad's at the house. I'm like, what are you doing home, man? And his fiance was sitting on the couch, and she's crying, and my dad's got this blank look in his face, and he just says, Son, I don't know what to tell you. She's gone. I was like, what do you mean she's gone? You know, and he's like, your mother, she's gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mother committed suicide, uh, overdosed. And, and uh, you know, 18, dude, it rocked my world. and, and uh, But, you know, at the same time, I felt like, you know, that battle that she was fighting here was behind her now. You know, I don't ever want to, I'll never sit here and justify taking your own life. That's not an escape. That's not the right thing to do. My mother had just given up. and um, But, you know, I've forgiven her for that, and it was tough. But uh, moving forward today, it's just part of my story, man. And, uh, you know, looking back, it was really kind of a, a point where my father became more of a father to me than my roommate. Because to that point, my pops and I were like roommates. We were like a couple bachelors shacking up together in a two bedroom condo in Fort (laughs) Walton Beach. And, uh, but that kind of changed things for me and my dad. And so, uh, we became very close. And, uh, but yeah, that that was tough. But kind of fast forwarding through that, you know, uh, I wound up, you know, just about two years ago, lost my father to lung disease. But um, all the stuff that I, I dealt with as a kid, man, the things that I saw and that I witnessed and the kids that I shared bunks with in children's homes and uh, that I was subjected to, bro, it, it brought me to where I am today. Even when I was in, in high school, I kind of felt a responsibility to give back. And ever since that time, I've been doing it any way that I possibly could. I, I spent about 10 years as a youth pastor in the local area serving in the church and then um, wound up you know getting a divorce from my first wife around 2010 2000, 2011 it gets
0: foggy I had a I had another yeah. guest on here that was a prior youth pastor yeah. that got divorced from his wife and that at the same time, listen,
1: discontinued his youth pastor as well. It kind of like it spells the the end of your ministry career. I think it, I think it was. Yeah, it's like doesn't matter what happened. It's just yeah. we won't go into that. But it, you know, it just it didn't work. You know, we 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 put thirteen years into that relationship, and you know, some of them pan out, some of them don't. Yeah. It didn't work, and you know, but out of that, we have two beautiful kids. My mm-hmm. daughter who just who will be twenty on the 29th, and my son who just turned seventeen. Uh, last or yesterday. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, so, you know, I went through that and uh, got out of ministry, you know, about 2011, I was a youth pastor at First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach, you know, very, uh, you know, great church, been here forever. Uh, And I was kind of like, what now? You know, my life got flipped, turned upside down, you know, (laughs) and uh, so I wound up trying to figure out what to do with myself and I went back into sales and uh, But I never lost that kind of passion in my heart to serve students. You know, I just really have a heart for students that are like, the Bible, you know, describes them as the least of these. You know, Jesus says, whatever you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. And means the world to me to make sure that we're doing everything we can to care for the children who can't necessarily care for themselves. They don't have a good home life, or, you know, maybe they don't have both parents in the situation. Just because you got one parent doesn't mean it's a bad thing. But a lot of times they do go without. Um, you know, just to give them a positive role model in their life or meet some needs that there aren't getting met, like clothes. We took about 20 kids from, uh, Kenwood elementary school the end of last school year to get their hair cut. You know, cause a lot of kids just the things we take for granted, yeah, yeah. you know, going to get your teeth clean. I didn't, I didn't see a dentist till I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I take that back. I did one time when I was in elementary school, my grandparents took me that was to get teeth pulled cause they were rotten but you know you think about those little things like going to the dentist we take that for granted you know a lot of us that do go there are kids that have never seen a dentist you know here in our own backyard you know you think about third world countries or overseas it's like inner city kids whatever but i'm talking about right here in Destin, florida right here in fort walton beach florida there are kids that don't even see a dentist there are kids that maybe get one or two haircuts here my wife teaches kindergarten at kenwood elementary and uh few years ago, we brought Christmas presents for a lot of the students in her class because, you know, it kind of goes in in cycles. Some years she'll have some kids that are a little more well-to-do. Some years not so much. And this year she had a lot of needy kids. And uh, we bought Christmas gifts for all of them. We were going to celebrate them on this particular day. This one kid doesn't show up. So we go looking for him during the break, and we found out where he lived, and uh, we went to deliver the gifts. And, man, this kid was living in a trailer that— it was unlike anything I'd ever seen, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the parents come out clearly, you know, I don't know what they were on, meth, coke, what, something, and uh, they didn't even know where their son was. We found him down the road playing, you know, with some middle school kids, and this kid's in kindergarten. It just, I was, you know, it breaks your heart. Yeah. At the same time, I'm like, man, I'm about, I'm about to kill somebody, <laughs> you know, but so we we found him, brought him back to his house, and this kid would have lice all the time, and so just simple things, man, just like hygiene and So we try to provide that as much as we can through our organization. Um, or Really, we've just started doing that this past school year. So that's going to be a key thing for us. But something we've been doing for a long time for about the last four or five years is this event called Hoops for Hope that's coming up that we started, um, like I said, about four years ago to serve a family that uh, this young lady that I went to high school with named Meredith Bruner. She had a little boy that was diagnosed with neuroblastoma and uh cutest little dude you've ever seen you know his name was ollie and it was like about eight years old and uh we wound up losing ollie but we we were kind of looking at this situation and i think a lot of times in in life we we see someone that has a need and we wonder what can i do to meet that need how can i make a difference you know i i don't what kind of skills do i have and you know i saw that and i thought man they really need help financially and uh so I said, okay, you know what I love, I'm passionate about is obviously students, but more just about as much as anything is basketball. You know, uh, so I said, how could we take basketball and put on an event and raise some money? Uh, so we came up with the idea of playing an alumni basketball game between uh, guys that had lettered. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to have graduated. You know, you can't be currently on a roster. It's just not fair. <clears throat> you know, for oh, the I, th- I thought you meant
0: I thought you meant like you had to have graduated when you played. <laughs> you have to have graduated. That's right.
1: We we had some kids this pat this this coming event are like, coach, can I play? I'm like, uh, no, you yeah. know. So, but anyways, we came together and we got a bunch of guys from Choctaw and Fort Walton, and we did our first event at Choctaw High School, and we raised uh, just a little over nine thousand dollars.
0: Well, you had alumni from Choctaw and Fort Walton. Uh-huh,
1: alumni from Choctaw and Fort Walton, and-
0: uh, I could probably name you. I didn't go to Fort Walton, but Where'd I could probably,
1: I. I my
0: parents moved me to Crestview right before my high school started. Ah. So I was in Crestview for about four and a half years. As soon as I graduated, I left. Yeah. But we had some great, we had some good ball players there, too. But I could probably name you Fort Walton Beach's, like, 1998 starting lineup. Come on. I probably could. Do it. The Pryor yeah. brothers. Jason and John Pryor. That's almost nice and uh, fair. Casey Craig. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Casey Craig. Yeah. Preston fucking Shumpert. What? Yeah. And, um...
1: Yeah. <sighs> That was that was a nasty lineup. Little,
0: little white boy. Uh
1: there was well ninety-eight. Ninety eight. What well, Todd Shipley was gone by then.
0: It was Coach Pons was the coach. Coach Pons yeah. was the
1: coach. I I would have loved to have played for Pons. We'd come down. He was How insane. He well you could shoot whenever okay. you wanted <laughs> okay. to, wherever you wanted to.
0: Well, the reason I know that is because the Pryor brothers, Jason and John went to high school with my brother in Virginia, okay. where we moved from. So we got down here and Pryor, Jason Pryor was Mr. Basketball. Of we wound Florida. up playing at Clemson. Yeah. Dude was a star. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was he was bad. At, Preston Chummer played at fucking Syracuse. Like the, these yeah. just great ball players. And even John Pryor went and played like overseas or something. Like right. they all they all had basketball careers after high school. Yeah. And we right when we moved to Florida, like I think a year later, my brother w- my brother was always he'd like look at he'd still read the old town newspaper. He's a wizard, <laughs> but he, he'd read the <laughs> he'd, always- he'd read the the the, the Paper from Virginia, and he—I think he still fucking does. Um, and he—I'm
1: glued to Northwest Florida Daily <laughs> yeah. News, by the way.
0: Yeah, I, I, I have um, a hard time with. I go back and forth. It's, uh, not, it's not even the article. It's, it's, it's the not the article. It's the comments. Oh, it's comment. It's the,
1: worst. it's the funniest stuff you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, but... It's ridiculous. We got nothing better to do here yeah. in the in, on the Emerald Coast and um, reading comments.
0: If you yeah, have, my brother told me it's like, look, I'm this this guy is in my. Uh, uh, prior, both prior brothers were in my class in Virginia. We should go check them out. Like Jason's putting up like sixty points a game type Dude, shit. He was,
1: he was sick, man. Yeah. I graduated in '95. Okay, from Choctaw. So yeah. I, you know, I played against Michael Craig, Casey's mm-hmm. bigger brother, mm-hmm. and uh, Casey was nasty too, though. Yeah. that kid that can whole shoot from team Was man. Yeah, I don't know how they didn't win a state championship.
0: Yeah, I think they. I remember going to watch them play. Uh, At Bay Over in Panama City For like the district Or something like that Or maybe I think it
1: was the district But it's Fort Walton Beach High School Bro They don't Winning's not really a part Of what they do anymore
0: (laughs) Well it was in the 90's though
1: yeah, on the football
0: know. field, too, you had E.G. Green, Danny Werfel. The
1: show's over, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the show's over, Jared. I know you, no. <laughs>
0: you're, you're a Choctaw man. That's right. Listen, I, bro. Kid. I told uh Robbie, I had a meeting with uh, the band Diamond in here before uh you got here tonight, and he was like, Who's your guest tonight? I was like, Jeff McDonald. Robbie was like, That guy was my chaplain at Choctaw. That's I was right. Like, All right, that's
1: right. Robbie's a good dude, man. I yeah. love that kid, but uh, he was a wide receiver for us. I'm gonna tell you, you talk about Robbie. You remember Deion Sanders says, "Look good, feel good, play good." Mm-hmm. That was Robbie Walton. I bet. Pretty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Robbie had like Robbie had like three wristbands on each arm. You know, had them down on his you know <laughs> on his legs and just geared up geared up i want to see a
0: picture did he have the did he have the headband around his neck
1: uh he may have he may have he was fresh to death out there buddy i'm telling nothing else he looked good out there i bet they threw the ball his way he caught it yeah he was a good ball player man yeah so his father skip was in the car business with my dad still is good folks good folks man yeah but yeah you know we won't talk about those good old days for Fort <laughs> Walton I mean you're talking way back okay let's get, let's bring it to current let's do it, kids. Let's do it. You know, as far as the rivalry is concerned it's really you know it has. it's not much of a rivalry right yeah. now we're just dumping them and everything mm-hmm. you know for the Fort Walton people that will listen to this I love you okay I love you but when it comes to ball
0: You're not my friend.
1: And so, yeah, they did beat us up back in the early 90s a little bit. It kind of went back and forth. Like, uh, as far as football is concerned, you had those, you know, Choctaw started it off, and I think it was 1990. We won a state championship, and uh, I think I was in eighth grade. And Willie Gaucher, Jeff Peters, you know, all these guys that, you know, played for them back then are good friends of mine won that state championship and then Danny Werfel and those guys and my buddy Scott Holtz and uh, you know, EG green and those dudes mm-hmm. took one and then kind of a, a little bit of a break. and I think they won it again in 96, but uh, my junior and senior year, I think, you know, we beat them Fort Walton, but <laughs> my senior year, I didn't play football, I played basketball, you know, and uh, but my senior year, our football team started off ranked number four in the country by USA Today, okay, and we finished 500, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but beat Walton. That's all that mattered. We had like yeah. six guys signed Division one scholarships off that wow. team. It was stupid, but uh, you don't see a whole lot of well, that Well, what's
0: wrong anymore. with
1: the program, then? Back, back then? Yeah. No, I wouldn't say it was the coaching. I think, you know, when you start reading your own press – you know, you had a lot of guys on that team that were yeah. very full of themselves. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Um, we didn't have much. You know, the defense was lacking a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our uh, strong safety, uh, Kurt Hale, who was one of my best buds back then, when he's your leading tackler, you know you have mm-hmm. a problem. Mm-hmm. So, But that was it, man. We couldn't – if we couldn't outscore you, you know, you were probably going to beat us just because we couldn't stop many folks. Yeah. So. But we had, you know – Quarterback that year, one of my best buds, Billy Lucky, wound up playing at Clemson. Uh, just talent all over the field, but you know, uh, so obviously you got me. You got me going. <laughs> it's a rivalry, baby. So every time we go, right now we're two and zero against Fort Walton and Hoops for Hope. Um, so you
0: have to play them each time. You don't. You well, never switch that up. It's always going to be Choctaw. And I bet. Let me go. I bet, at Crest, you probably got a couple of those Livingston boys playing
1: for you. Well, too, who huh? do you think I called? First, <laughs> anybody said, with the last name livingston crestview? Like, well you walk through crestview be careful what you say about livingston because it could get ugly real quick why is that am because they're, they're <laughs> boss man they're huge they're, they're everywhere no, willie b uh, yep. who you remember yeah, i remember willie yeah, b okay yeah. well willie b kind of came on the scene when i, I was an fucking little bowling ball he man he'd bro. run that
0: ball and just bro that
1: like kid a, was sick yeah on the basketball court even better Okay, his his size probably held him back a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah, as a running back, you know, yeah. he was a beast. But uh, so I called Willie, and I, because this is the first year we've added N- Niceville and Crestview. So every year we've done it, we've helped one family. Mm-hmm. This year, I just really felt like because at the end of every every time we've done this, people would come to me, Jeff. Did you not hear about this kid over here? You know, like all these other stories. of Yeah, you know, and I'm that like,
0: gets hard, man. It's tough. How do you and handle that?
1: My response to people uh, is, you know, you, it's tough because you want to help everybody. You really do. My wife just won't let me. <laughs> I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> she likes me to be able to be home and, and take care yeah. of her and our kids. But it's tough. So what I tell people, man, is I'm like, listen, okay, when I was trying to figure out how can I help Meredith Bruner and her family in that very first event we did, I said, what am I passionate about? It's basketball. Well, I took that game and I created an event around it and we've started raising money and every year it's gotten a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I tell folks, like, hey, what are you passionate about? Listen, I'd love to help them, but I can't do that now, okay? But what could you do? How can I encourage you? And, And just try to help them, you know, find what they're passionate about and how they can take that thing and use it for something positive, to impact someone's life, because mm-hmm. it, it's really not that hard. Like I saw a video that I shared the other day on Facebook. It's this guy. He's a he's a barber, and he doesn't have a lot of money. You know, he he just he just loves to help people. So what's he do? He goes out into the streets of his community, and he start starts offering free haircuts, beard trimmings, you know, uh, skin like face treatments, all this stuff for homeless guys. And you see the impact that he's having is pretty intense, and uh, really neat video. Check it out. But that's my thing. Is like, what is it that you love? What is it that you do? Take that, create something around that idea, and go help somebody with. Yeah. Because it's possible, and that's the only. That's how we're doing what we're doing today. And uh, so that's the response. But this year we did decide, hey, we do want to try to help a few more families, and if we bring in Niceville and Crestview, bring them into the fold. I think we can do that. You know, we can attract more people to the event, sell more raffle tickets, sell more concessions, you know, raise. we want to try to raise closer to twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars this year. We've got about, you know, uh, three families that we're helping. So not about we do have three families. Well, how do you, you know,
0: uh, how do you help them? Do you uh, do you purchase things for them? Do you give you know, them a
1: check? We stroke them a check. man. Yeah. And, you know, how and do they,
0: you how do you vet that? So, you, so, you know, you're not it's paying for a habit or. Oh,
1: absolutely. You know? it, You know, I've lived here most of my life. I've been here since 1989. And over those years, you know, I've built some pretty strong relationships across the county, you know, from Pensacola to Panama City. And I got a lot of people that I love and trust. So when this event comes near, you know, I just begin having conversations. Hey, who do you know? You know, I go to the school district. I go to the principals. I go to the resource officers. Um, who do you know that's in a situation? Do you, know, you know anyone that's battling this? And that's who I begin to get the information from. And then we try to drill it down a little bit deeper and um, get to know something about these families. I, I'll tell you um, a story about how we found this one family in Niceville, uh, this beautiful young lady named Grace Fulcher, a uh, young lady who recently graduated from Niceville High School Um and uh, was diagnosed with a form of brain cancer. Um, beautiful young lady, amazing heart, uh, but they weren't one of our first choices. I didn't even know about them. I'd been given through, you know, I'm in the mortgage business. And one of these realtors that I worked with gave me the name of a family in Niceville. So I went and I talked to this family. I spoke with the mother, and uh, the mother was wanting us they had a son who was battling a form of brain cancer. And uh, she was interested and we were gonna probably serve this family, but the father just didn't feel like it was something he wanted to be involved with. So we backed out. I was like, the last thing we ever want to do is create tension. what <clears home."
0: throat> well, just, just in I family. don't want your charity type shit or no he, or I, was I think it was it
1: was less about that. I think it was more that there was in in his heart and mind that there was somebody that could probably use the help more than we could. Oh, so well, I think I guess that's noble. It, yeah. yeah so. Um so I kind of let it go. Yeah. I wasn't going to dig and uh the mother hit me back and she said, "Listen, there's this woman here in town that you need to look her up. You need to find out about their situation cuz this woman's amazing." Well, it turns out the mother, uh, I believe the mother's name is Frances. She's an amazing woman. Turns out, you know, she's got this daughter that's battling this disease and all the while she's creating support groups. You know, just a, a month ago, her and, and and grace came up with this idea to go serve 50 children on the oncology floor at sacred heart and provide them like, uh, you know, these gift baskets and these, you know, got them blankets and just things that they knew that would bring comfort to them, uh, while in the hospital. And dude, I'm like, that's the woman we want to serve. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause that, that was a no brainer. So, uh, and, so I called the family and I went and sat down in their living room and I'm talking to Dad, who was just an amazing man. You know, I'm looking at uh, the young lady uh, and she was just precious. And then she's got a little brother who is so anxious for this event because he wants to volunteer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you, where are you people from? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing. So mm-hmm. it's so that was you know I walked away from that meeting. I was like, we we're definitely helping this family. And so the idea is. You know, the first year we raised like $9,000. We gave that money to the family, and we didn't say it's got to go to this or you got to do that. It's we trust that you're going to use this in the best way possible. Well, come to find out, they found there was a matching grant that they were involved with. They doubled that money that we raised for them along with some other money that someone did a 5K. It wound up being 20 thousand dollars that they donated to Emory University where they had been – he had been – uh, Ollie had been receiving treatments, and uh, to kind of help further their research and, and their battle against neuroblastoma. So, I thought that was pretty rad. Last year, uh, the family that we helped was a young man that I've known since he was this tall. His name is Xavier Palmer, and I've known his parents forever. So that was kind of a an easy one. You know, I've had a relationship with this family, and uh, we wound up raising about. You know, it was a shade under twelve grand for them last year. And uh, they took that money and they did what, you know, you think about cancer. A lot of people, if you haven't been through it, you don't understand what goes on in terms of just the nightmare on your resources, your time, your treasure. You know, a lot of times, like one of the other families were helping, the young ladies, uh, her name's Malia. Her family's having to travel to Boston for treatments. I mean, just think about that, the travel, the expenses. You know, the mother had to quit her job. Uh, It's just, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So our thing is like, you know, this isn't even really going to make, at the end of the day, a huge impact on you in terms of finances, but use this to go pay off a vehicle. Use this to, you know, replace several months of income. Whatever you got to do, use this money. And that's what, you know, the family last year did. But the mother last year, Andrea, came to me after the event. She said, you know what, Jeff, the money was great. It was extremely helpful in this time, but more than anything, that day, those few hours in that gym, we packed out Choctaw High School last year. So you're talking probably about around a thousand people in mm-hmm. there, hollering and screaming, and, and Xavier was able to come and just to hear those people, you know, yelling and screaming for him and loving on that family was priceless. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, more than anything, we want them to know or walk away from that day, we're not in this alone. Yeah, you know you're surrounded by a community that loves you and is going to stand behind you, and uh, fight this fight with you. So,
0: yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, man. Um, so it's it's going to be at Choctaw again this year. No, you, no. Uh, okay. We
1: last year we filled the gym, and uh, you doing they, Northwest Florida. We're doing it at the Raider Arena. Ooh, yeah. beautiful spot. My buddy Ramsey Ross over there, the AD, said bring it on, and man, I will tell you, I'll brag on them all day long. They've been super accommodating. um, Dude, that's just a
0: top-notch program.
1: It is, yeah. The program's phenomenal. Yeah,
0: I go to almost every home game, man.
1: Well, we're gonna buy some season tickets, and Mm -hmm. you know, I did a little walk around the other day in that facility, and you just, I remember when I graduated from Choctaw High School. You know, basketball didn't really work out for me, right? Mm -hmm. So I didn't get any college scholarships. Mm -hmm. I got turned down at a tryout in Enterprise, Alabama. I said, I'm done. So I said, my future is Enterprise. right here. What's
0: a, what's that? What's oh a- my gosh.
1: Enterprise, Alabama. You, no,
0: yeah. no, no, no. I know where that is. What's cool is that? Enterprise
1: I- State Community College. Okay.
0: All right.
1: Yeah, they didn't, they do not want me <laughs> lit up the tryout, but got sent home. It's all good. I'm not bitter <laughs> anyways. So, uh, the facility is amazing. It's nothing like it was like when I was there Yeah, you know, I went to there for two years and, uh, you know, we just had this little raggedy old looking gym and, this place is phenomenal. Yeah. It's beautiful. So Top notch for sure. We're excited. They just added a video board. And uh, with our event, we bring in a music artist. You might want to come and check her out. You might want to see if you can represent her. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, her name's Peyton Lamar, and she sang a song for us last year. Just brought the house down. She did that uh, Rise Up by, um, what's her name? Something Day. Beautiful song. Mm-hmm. This year, she's doing another one for us, and uh, can't wait. But we got the dance teams coming from all the high schools, some of the middle schools, and so, you know, we got some local talent eating up some halftimes and intermissions, and it's going to be a blast, man. So hopefully we can raise, you know, close to 20000 and yeah. fill that place you up. Got, you and, got pro
0: refs coming in?
1: Oh, the best, baby. So, so what's the date, the date on this, man? Uh, August 4th starts at 1 o'clock. We're trying to run it from 1 to 5. I say try because sometimes the games can run over a little bit. But, and then uh, are you doing like a minimum five.
0: donation then plus whatever you want to give kind of thing?
1: The way you get in, man, is you buy a raffle ticket. It's five bucks. And you can buy them on our website right now at impactemeraldcoast.com um, for five bucks or you can get five for 20. So you're getting that free one in there. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's your ticket into a game. So one raffle ticket equals one entry. Um, so that's how we make most of our money. Okay. We, this year we've got uh, my buddy Jason Medina and uh, Nathan Abbott uh, teamed up together to provide a uh, an electric bike for us from Pedego 30A. Um, excited about that. About a twenty three hundred dollar bike, you know, electric bike. Um, my buddy from Lucky Media Solutions, Billy Lucky, donated a sixty inch uh, television, Sony Ultra HD 4K, all that good stuff. Yeah. You know, perfect for football season. <laughs> so, uh, and we got a lot of other really cool stuff too. Uh, boat. Um, every year has donated a Kula. Yeah, those are my I mean, dudes. Oh I man, I love Yeah, I, man. Uh great folks over there. Yeah, they're and the best uh, dude. They, they were
0: uh that was I was their uh, first paid employee, man. Shut up. Ever. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. I did my uh I did my internship with them. Yeah. Uh, right out of college. I, okay. I I interned with them and uh I mean I wouldn't be doing I wouldn't be doing what I was doing had like right now had it not been for working with Corey. Yeah, and Magda over there at Boat, brilliant. I've never like, met Corey,
1: but uh, he's just that dude that I would love to get to know. Corey's a good dude, man. You know, I hear about him from a lot of folks. That uh, buddy of mine, Clint, that owns, you know, Clint,
0: <laughs> Clint Brown.
1: Yeah, no, not Clint Brown. Okay, Clint Brown. I know. What does he still work for him? I th-
0: I th- Sometimes okay. it depends on the, <laughs> what week it is, man.
1: Clint owns DNG Graphics. I think it's DNG, okay. DNG Graphics. Oh, yeah. He just did Moreland, the yeah. New ra- Clint Moore. I go like, Kobe uh, Fishing with had him. Had a brain yeah. fart. Uh, but <clears> yeah, throat> throat> so uh, him and obviously Sean and everything I hear about Corey is just stellar. So yeah, he man. sounds like an amazing guy. And we're grateful that they donate to us. And yeah, for they, sure. We yeah. did our basketball game, our back- basketball tournament, and uh, we got a, a actual board from them <clears throat> this year, and it was great. So. But yeah, good folks, man. It's you know when you get involved in nonprofit work and charity and you're trying to help folks, man, you realize just how we're surrounded by so many great folks. Um, A lot of negativity in this world, (laughs) and I think uh, it's at an all time high right now. It it is, it is. But Uh, if you uh, (laughs) oh, give me a break. (laughs) But if you kind of take a step back, man, and you and you you look around, you realize, man, there's a lot of good going on too. And uh, but but kind of in that light, dude. Let me tell you, that one of the things that I love is whoever started that that fake like Facebook page that Destiny City of Destiny News. Oh, it's the best thing ever. People get so pissed off. Yeah, and I'm thinking keep it uh yeah these jerks that, that just that just scour the interwebs for negative mm-hmm. something that to, to get pissed off about and like good for you yeah and
0: that's it's really tough though man because you're right because everyone has a voice now so it it, it works both ways because you can use that to be negative, and i'm guilty of that absolutely but also uh, on the opposite side of that what little voice I have, I've been able to utilize to do something similar to what you're doing yeah. with, like with bow jams, music festival. I do. Yeah. So everyone, it's really cool because I think we are seeing, especially on a local level it's so much easier to do things that can have a big impact on a, a local family uh-huh. um, or a charity that started out as a local thing or, or whatever. I, what, Any way that you choose to have an impact there, there's, there's really almost no excuse for you not to now because it, it's easier to, to do it. It know? is,
1: man, you know, there's so many opportunities to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people like to sit around and just piss and moan about all that's going on in yeah. this world, or, you know, kids these days, oh, hell, we're going to hell, you know, that mm-hmm. we're in trouble because of the future. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, because of people like you that sit back and want to piss and moan and do nothing about it. And that's yeah. another reason we kind of said, okay, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna get off our ass. We're gonna go out and work. Mm-hmm. We're gonna try to make a difference in the lives of, of young people. Kind of the another thing that we do too, and we're actually starting this school year, is we're beginning character development and leadership training in our middle and high schools in Fort Walton Beach. You know, our desire is to expand that, you know, each school year into another area of the district. But um, once a month we'll be going getting in front of middle and high school students, taking Typically, it'll be someone local. It's a business leader or uh, a politician, whoever. Actually, I try to stay away from politicians. No, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. We've got some decent ones around here. We yeah. really do. But, um, but business leaders, just good folks, like even yourself, come out and just tell your story, you know, and uh, connect with kids and let them know that there's another way. I brought Sean Murphy out to talk to uh, last school year. Um, to talk to the WBGI group there that they do, like, they're the tribal news. Okay. Okay. They're, like, the news network at Choctaw High School. And so, you got Murphy
0: cleared to, like, go in there yeah, and talk to these kids? Well, he actually went to high school with Dr. Hill, our principal, <laughs> yeah, right?
1: Yeah. And uh, so they're buds. So Dr. Hill said, take him on, bring him on in. He's like, Sean Murphy, is he the same Sean? Like, no, 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 no. So, anyways, we we roll in there and – and he sits in there, and my son was in this class. And, I, you know, I, my son loved him. But uh, what was really neat, because, you know, in that class, they've got guys that take video, do photography, edit, and do these things that are right up, you know, that creative alley for Sean. And Sean sat in there, and dude just had a conversation with these kids, told his story, um, abbreviated. and, <laughs> and uh, But some of these kids, man, just were hanging on us everywhere, and it was like, that is money. So that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to connect Really, the thought and I was, you know, we're Impact Emerald Coast. When you think of the word Impact, I think of like collision, and our thing is we want to take great adults in our community and create a, just a collision with students who need to hear their stories yeah. to help change their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, every time Sean's in town now, he's connecting with three, or four of these kids that are going on these shoots with him, yeah. and he's mentoring these kids. He's a
0: special dude for me, sure,
1: absolutely. You know, uh, and that's what I love about that environment, man. It's just taking people that you wouldn't expect. Like you would never see me and Sean connecting. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just little <sighs> trying to be nice to myself. But anyway, <laughs> just uh, it, just a clean cut white kid myself. You know, a church boy. You know, youth pastor guy. Uh, connecting with Sean Murphy. You know what I mean? (laughs) But let me tell you something. It's a beautiful relationship, man. That dude is deep on many levels. He's spiritual. Mm -hmm. He has a relationship with God, and it's really awesome to see what's going on in his life right Mm -hmm. now. But um, that's what I want to do too is connect people. And, you know, you may think we have so many differences, but we're a lot more alike than we really know. Mm -hmm. And when, when we make those collisions happen, man, beautiful things come out of it. So, you know, to see what he's doing now, just from sitting there hanging out with these kids, and he came back another time. They invited him back. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the kind of thing we want to create and the thing that we want to do. You know, there's a guy, I heard a quote that said, uh, every child is one caring adult away from a success story. You know, a lot of those kids don't have those adults in, in, within the four walls of their home. Uh, it's you, Jerry. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's folks in the community that need to connect with these students and be the difference to create a better future for them and for ourselves. We can sit around here and piss and moan all day long about how terrible kids are today. But when we think about it and you and you really take a step back, we weren't much better, but we just didn't have social media to, you know, shine a bright light on everything that we did. Mm-hmm. I was a dickhead in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was drinking, I was not the best person on the planet and you know, if there had been social media, you know, it might have been a little different for me. But uh so these kids aren't any worse off than we were. You know, people could say what they want, but Um, they still need us. Yeah, it bothers,
0: man. It bothers me when people say that.
1: It, it really does. It's an just, excuse. Yeah, I, like
0: I just I swore I swore as I got older I would never be one of those like kids these days kind of shit. So when I do have those thoughts every now and then, like when I see something, I'm like fucking kids. Like I just I I I tried to call myself out on it as much yeah. as possible. Like they had this. Uh, did you see that thing in the ballpark? They had they had Millennial Appreciation Night what? to where they had avocado <laughs> burgers. Yeah. They had nap. They had like nap stations oh, and shit. God. And I was like, I want Baby Boomer Night. That's to That's where right, so. to where we have like slightly racist roast beef sandwich, and, roast beef sandwich. you know, and
1: oh my god, yeah. you know,
0: and uh, we get social security before everyone else will type shit, <laughs> you know, like uh, story. And, and what would happen? Like I promise you, oh. like the, 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 everyone was complaining because these millennials, some of them, I guess, were getting offended by this millennial appreciation night. But at the same time, I guarantee you, if I had baby boomer appreciation night and oh, had those mean, same yeah. things, Listen. I would be sacrificed, man. Yeah, I promise you. Know? you. I <laughs> so promise. just. (laughs) I don't know It was silly to me Because all the people That thought that was Like the funniest thing ever were, Of course Were from generations That were a little bit older You know And people
1: would get mad at me Because I You know And I I have a grandfather Who uh, He's my last grandparent left, But he lives in Birmingham, Alabama And he was a Southern Baptist preacher And um, You know We talk about these generations Like the greatest generation Mm -hmm. You know And, you know, I don't ever want to, you know, they did some amazing things. But I will tell you, that was probably also one of the most racist, rampant times in our history. There's nothing good about that. There's nothing great about that. You know, when I I look back, you know, I grew up and I was always a token white boy in Birmingham, Alabama. If I lived in, you lived in low rental income housing in Alabama, you know, you were surrounded by, you know, a lot of people of color. And they didn't look like me. Let me tell you something, man, they loved me. And they were there for me. I, I was in sixth grade, all right? And I was actually at this time living in Silicaga, Alabama. Lord help. Yeah, I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, okay. I it's, know it's, sure. it's somewhere in there, okay. <laughs> Silicaga, it's not far from Auburn, which is disgusting, by the way. Roll tide. But um, anyway, so I'm in Silicaga, Alabama in sixth grade, right? Did I lose you? Are you an Auburn fan, Jared? Uh, no, absolutely not. I am going to edit that out. Though. I, 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 I am, more, but I, face, I, will, I, I will take Auburn over Alabama, though, but we don't have to get into well, anything. let's move forward. <laughs> let's move forward. Let's <laughs> stay positive. But anyways, no. So I'm I'm going to this. I, I live in this low-rental-income housing project in uh, Sylacaque, Alabama, right? And I go to school at uh, the school. It's very interracial, right, you know, uh, but very divided, and... Um, I meet this little girl in sixth grade, bro. She thinks I'm cute. I think she's cute. We check the boxes. Do you like me? Yep. We date me? Yeah. Like what was dating in sixth grade? I'll see you at school and hold your hand, mm. right? But anyway, so yeah, we did. We became boyfriend and girlfriend. Well, the next day I come back to school and all of a sudden she won't talk to me. Well, somebody told her where the bus dropped me off, where I lived. the projects and this little white girl didn't want to date me anymore oh bro come on man but that's i'm telling it's still alive and well but that just broke my heart man so i've never really had that part of me where Mm -hmm. i could wrap my mind around disliking someone because they look different from me or they're not they don't have the same pigment Mm -hmm. color of skin but uh so when you look back on that and you talk about these different generations how amazing they were but yeah, at the same time they were doing some of the most hateful shit that's ever happened in the history of this country yeah you know standing at the 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 door of a university and not letting blacks in like how was that great so i mean listen you're listening to this you're hearing jeff mcdonald you know you don't get pissed off at me it's it's a reality if you're being honest with yourself that's terrible yeah you know so anyways but i think today we're at a time where you've got some people have just taken it to a whole nother level but in terms of like on the flip side, you know, like I heard uh, there was this TEDx talk that I saw the other day. And they were talking about how pedophilia is like an acceptable form of, uh, you know, sexuality. I've
0: never heard that.
1: Never oh, heard that. blew my freaking mind, dude. I was like, shoot this woman now. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm on Team Shoot That Person. I'm dude. on
1: Team Shooter, too. Like, yeah. anyway, we're great people. But um, <laughs> I'm not going to have that. That's crazy. So we're kind of like... Way on this other side now. But it's just crazy, man. Uh, but I, I look back and, uh, again, you see those things. And but people want to look at people today and be so critical. And, you know, when have we ever really been great? Like, we just need, our attitude needs to be that we're constantly trying to be better. Mm-hmm. And I think as individuals, we take personal responsibility for ourselves. And do right yourself. Quit worrying about what other people are doing. And just go damn help somebody. Go make a difference. Mm-hmm. It's that simple, man so yeah drives me crazy yeah
0: well jeff man i could talk to you forever man but we're about at, a, at about an hour so um yeah. we, shane's got to get on so we got to wrap it up man but uh just to go over this again man, and by the way uh this was great. You're you're more than welcome to come on whenever you want to, man. I really enjoyed talking with you, Thanks, uh, learning about you and Impact Emerald Coast. For just for for those who just want to reiterate, uh, August fourth from one o'clock to five o'clock at the Raider Arena in Niceville. Uh, even if you know, even if you haven't been there before, just go. I mean, even if you aren't into what what Jeff's been talking about here, go check out the arena <laughs> and help someone while yeah. you're at it. You know um you can get your tickets at impactemeraldcoast.com. Uh-huh. and how does that work would you print off your raffle tickets from th-
1: here's the what website? you won't print them off there what you do is that in, in essence <clears throat> you click donate on the website mm-hmm. and you're going to pay you know the amount for however many tickets you want you know we my wife is good at math me not so much <laughs> so you pay 60 bucks obviously we know you're getting 15 tickets You know, you're getting five for 20, so you're going to get 15 tickets. So you want, you know, three tickets. You're paying 15 bucks on the website. There's a comment section. In the comment section, all we need is you're, you're going to give us your name and address when you give because you have to do that when you're providing your credit card information. But the other thing that we'll need you to add in the comments is your email address and your contact phone number because we will fill that in on the raffle tickets, and we'll have your tickets for you when you come to the ball game. So, Because last year we had a line that was out the door for quite a while before the yes, Yeah, event. so you got to move that fast. Exactly. Yeah. So this is saving you time. But we'll also have some some places that you can get your tickets at, like uh, PS Gifts and Fort Walton Beach will be selling them for us. Uh, that's over down by the uh, post office on um, Walter Martin over there by Uptown Station. And we're going to announce a few other spots here that uh, you can get them uh, once we're a week out. So
0: If uh, if Choctaw's not winning it, who's winning it?
1: Well, we're obviously going to beat Fort Walton. <laughs> but <laughs> I, Oh, the
0: winners th- don't play each
1: other. That's the thing. Okay, so... And then I know we got to get, but... Um, I keep getting some folks coming to me and like Jeff there's not a championship game. I was like, "Well, listen, dude. I don't have all day to do this." Thing. <laughs> you know, it's like we got two games and we got a lot of people that want to do other things in during this time too. So, we're going to play two games. It's going to be Choctaw, Fort Walton Crestview Niceville. Choctaw will probably be 3 and 0 after uh <laughs> we play. Uh, okay, well nice then who's four. who's
0: winning the cho- who's winning the Crest Crestview Niceville?
1: Niceville. Man, I don't you can't say. You can't, I, well, you can't tell listen, me that, right? I now. don't want I don't want anybody's feelings to get hurt. But honestly, there's a lot of people, a lot of names on this roster that I'm getting from these guys. I got a guy named Donald Kirkwood, who's been helping me in Niceville, uh, kind of load that team up. A lot of those guys I've not seen play. Yeah. But if I had to go off on what I know, it's hard for me to bet against Willie B. Livingston. Yeah. I gotta trust that Willie B.'s going out and he's getting the ballers. Yeah, you got any other Livingstons? Well, there's Darius Livingston. I mean, like, look, a big boy? I could go down the right, Ellis Chamberlain's plan. Uh, that's a name you might recognize, but um, and some other dudes too. That, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get Dion Hall, a guy I played against in high school, to come back. He was mm-hmm. a beast. Played ball at Troy, but um, you know, Crestview's loaded, dude. Yeah. Even today, they're loaded with all these corn-fed country boys, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, they're ballers. So. I think Crestview might take that because right now their team's about twice the size of Niceville. There's like 12 guys from Niceville, 23 guys. Have there Crestview. been in any fights yet? I mean, there's some trash talk going yeah. on on Facebook. <laughs> you know, uh, I think, you know, Fort Walton's actually been running their mouth a, a little bit. You know, yeah. some of their guys got AJ Shepard, who I love the kid to death, but you know, you, you got to, you know, you open your mouth, you can insert your foot too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's going to be fun. So come out, and, because there's some dudes that can still play ball. Yeah. You're going to see some jam, and you're going to see some deep threes. It's going to be competitive, but we're also going to have a really good time. So, yeah. Well, I checked so, my uh,
0: calendar when we were in the middle of the conversation, man. I'm available, so I'm going to come out there for it as well, man. Absolutely. Uh, d- definitely. All the listeners, definitely come out. Uh, say what's up to me. Say what's up to Jeff. Uh, man, I appreciate what you're doing, Thanks, for sure. Uh, it was really cool to hear. Uh, I, I knew next to nothing about this before you came in here, man. So I'm really glad we got you in here. Absolutely. And also, uh, I, th- I think the timing was right, too, man. So thanks for getting yeah, in here, man. My for pleasure, sure. man. Um, if you all have any questions for me or Jeff, you can email us at wimty.podcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'll make sure that Jeff gets those questions. And also, be sure to visit his website, impactemeraldcoast.com, to uh, pick up your tickets for the event. All right, y'all. Take care. Thanks, thanks
1: bud.